This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Lord God, speak. Speak into us. Pour out your word into our hearts. Sometimes to want to hear it and soften our hearts and change our hearts and minds with your love and help us to follow you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. The expression to draw a line in the sand What that expression means, right, is is you can go this far, but no farther. And and I know this might be hard for for some of you to believe and understand, but there were times when I was younger, when I was a little kid, when I would misbehave. Rarely it happened. Rarely. But on the occasion that it did, sometimes my parents would tell me, go to your room and don't come out until we tell you to, right? Say, Bill, you can enjoy all the blessings of your room, but don't you cross that line or there will be ramifications, We can think of it this way too, right? Our our computers have firewalls, right? That's kind of like a line, right? So bad people, hopefully you can't cross the line and get to our personal financial information. Well, today... We're continuing our series that Pastor Ben started last week, series called Foolproof, a study of the book of 1 Corinthians. And if you didn't get a chance to, to worship last week with us, I encourage you to go to our YouTube channel, our, our website, and, and go and, and worship with Pastor Ben's message. It's a great message that's foundational for this whole series. Okay, so if you didn't get a chance, go back and, and grab onto that. All right. Now today, as we continue on in this series, we're going to be talking about the, the Corinthian congregation and, and our congregation, right? And, and so as we think about the, the church back in Corinth, I know it was 2,000 years ago, okay? And I, I know that it was different. They didn't have cars, they didn't have computers and all that, but the way they thought, the way they lived their lives that culture and our culture are really, really close. They're almost like mirror images of one another. Okay, Because back then, too, they were very pluralistic and hedonistic and materialistic, just like ours. Just like our culture, that culture back then, they, they got great happiness from being able to choose their own morality. They thought it was a a virtue to be free to choose the various lifestyle that they wanted to live. They were open-minded. They were, because, you know, boy, that's a a new way of thinking because everything has got at least some good in it. And so we're actually, again, really, really close to that Corinthian congregation, okay? And as we move into 1 Corinthians chapter 5, which is where we're going to be spending our time today, um, I want to remind you that as Paul began this letter, he expressed his love 
for that congregation, okay? So as Pastor Ben and I love you, Paul was feeling the exact same way about that Corinthian congregation. And that's why he said this. It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife and you are proud. In Corinth, a Christian, or at least he claimed to be a Christian, transgressed, right? Transgressed or transgression, that's a word sometimes we use in the church to mean sin. It, it literally means to, to cross over, to cross the line. This man crossed the line. He was sleeping with his stepmom. And Paul goes, boy, as open-minded as the pagan culture that you live in is, they don't even tolerate that. They don't even think that's a good idea. And this guy is doing it, and he is doing it out in the open, and he thinks it's great. And Paul is shocked. He's saying, and you guys think that's good too. As we talk about this circumstance and this sin that's going on in the congregation there, keep in mind, we're not talking about a, a sin that is a sin of weakness. We're, we're not talking about someone struggling with sin. They, they fell into sin. They go, I can't believe I did that again. We're not talking about that. We're not, we're not talking about someone who went off and made a really bad decision that has a, a ton of ramifications. They wish they could go back. We're not talking about repentant sin. We're talking about a guy who's saying, this is my right. This is my core value. This is my identity. It is okay in fact, it's not only okay, it is good that I am doing this. This is my right. In effect, what he was saying was it, it's, it's good for me to, to sleep with my stepmom. Uh, it, it's good. And if you think it's wrong, you can think it's wrong, but it's, it's not wrong. And if it is wrong, I don't want to be right. Okay, he's so associated with that sin. It was his core value, his identity. And so Paul jumps into this and into the congregation who is allowing this to go on. And the congregation is proud of this guy's freedom. And Paul says, shouldn't you have rather gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? Shouldn't you have gone into mourning? Huh? When do we mourn, right? We, we mourn when someone dies. Paul says to the congregation he loves, you guys should be mourning, but you're celebrating. You should be crying, but you're clapping. You should be on your knees pleading in prayer, but you're praising this guy. Huh? Paul says, by his actions, by this guy's actions, he has shown that he really isn't a part of the congregation. Okay. He may show up, but he's really not a part. By his actions, this guy is saying, you know, 
I'm not a part of the community of believers. Paul's saying by, by his actions, this man has shown that he is not alive in Christ. By his actions, this man is showing that he is spiritually dead. And so since he is dead, you should be mourning. See, it's true enough that that Jesus spreads this message out. Come as you are. But he doesn't say, stay as you are. See, as Christians, right? Those of us who are Christians, we've been washed in the blood of, of Jesus. We are to live differently than we did before we believed. See, people who are Christians, people who are part of the church, we are Christ followers. That's really what Christianity is, following Jesus, following his ways. To say that you're a Christ follower and then try to change the ways, that's not following Jesus. That's, that's telling Jesus, you follow me. See, if, if you want to follow Jesus, Well, that's Christianity. And if you don't want to follow Jesus, or if you want Jesus to follow you, that's not Christianity. You see, just because Jesus forgives all sins doesn't give us the right to commit a single sin, let alone whatever we want to do. The man in this congregation, is abusing God's grace. He's saying, since I'm forgiven, that kind of wipes the slate clean and I can just do whatever I want and it's okay. The guy was using God's grace as a permission, as a license to sin and to satisfy his sinful nature. And the congregation thought that was okay. And thought that was good. And so this is why Paul says this. For my part, even though I'm not physically present, I'm with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I've already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. So when you're assembled and I'm with you in spirit and the power of the Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, in that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, anyone who claims to be a Christian, but is sexually immoral or greedy or idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Expel the wicked person from among you. Expel the wicked person from among you. Remember, we're not talking about a sin of weakness. We're not talking about someone who's struggling with sin. 
We're not talking about someone who is repentant. We're talking about someone who is willfully living against God's word. And everybody knows about it. People inside the congregation and people outside of the congregation. It's public. If they'd had social media, he'd have posted it out there. Back in the day, he has crossed the line. And Paul just says real clear, expel the wicked person. That culture that the Corinthian congregation and our culture today, right, we struggle with that. That's some pretty strong language, right? Expel the wicked person. We, we got, you know, our culture, the Corinthian culture, well, let, let's hold it, you know, let's, let's walk with them a little bit more. Okay. Remember, this isn't a sin of weakness. This is a guy drawing the line in the sand and saying, this is who I am. And so Paul says, expel the wicked person. Again, we're going, well, yeah, our culture, the Corinthian culture, well, let's move the line a little bit, okay? Let's move the line a little bit. It's not our line to move, right? When we tell our, our kids to go out and play outside, we're not expecting them to go out and play on I-94, that's not going to end well, right? We struggle with this, okay? We struggle because if we say something about that person's sin, we got that little voice inside of us that's screaming, yeah, but what about your little dirty secret sin? Or what about your big dirty secret sin? And that's okay. That's God calling us to repentance too, right? That's God calling us to change as well. And two, I want you to know that that Satan doesn't want us to say anything, right? Because that way that person can stay in their sin and we can keep on going with our little secrets. Another reason why we struggle with it today is because if, if we say something, gosh, they might get hurt or, or, or worse, they may not like us. And we want to be liked. And trust me, I get all of these things. But even though we struggle with these things, we follow God's word and we confront those sins. And here's why. Love. Love for the person, right? Love for that individual. They're destroying their soul. They need a call out of their hypocrisy. They need a call to repentance. Their soul is at stake. And so we move forward in love. 
another way, reason why we, we follow the, the ways uh, of Jesus here is also love. Love for the congregation, right? Paul says this, do you not know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival not with old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Paul is, is bringing for him a, a metaphor, right? You put yeast in the batch of dough and the yeast works its way through all that dough and it, and it leavens it all up. It just moves. It keeps on moving. You can't manage yeast. You can't control it. It just spreads through. And Paul is making that comparison that yeast is sin and the batch of dough is the congregation says sin works its way through. You can't manage sin. And you know what? If we're honest, some of us have been trying to manage the sin in our life instead of repenting of it. And when we try to manage sin in our life, what's really going on, right, is sin is managing us. out of love for the entire congregation. That one person's soul is being destroyed. We don't want anyone else's soul to get involved with that either. So love, love for the other person, love for the congregation, and finally, love, love for God. This is love for God to obey his commands. When we remain silent, we're validating that behavior. And since we're the congregation of believers, we're representing God. And so it's like God is validating that action, that activity. And that's completely opposite of who he is. Now in a few minutes, we're gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper. And, and if you're here and, and you're not a believer, obviously, right, you're not gonna be taking part in, in the Lord's Supper because you don't believe it. But if that's you, I, I want you to use that time. I encourage you to use that time to consider a couple of questions and it, and it would actually be good for all of us too, as well. And the first one is, what would it be like if I stood for something so I wouldn't fall for everything. The second question is, what would it be like if I followed Jesus and not the ways of the world? And, and if anybody needs help with that, Pastor Ben and I are, are willing to walk alongside of you. And for some of you here today, you might just be concerned. Have I crossed the line? Have my actions 
shown that I'm not a part of the body of believers? Have my actions shown that I'm not really alive in Christ? And you're worried about that, concerned about that. And I want you to know that, that if that's you, that's actually a good thing. That you're concerned about it shows that you are still a part of the body of Christ. If you weren't concerned about it, that's when it would be a problem. And maybe for some of you here today or online or watching this later, you're living in willful sin right now. And you're hearing this message on purpose. God has you hearing this message on purpose. Because he's calling you to repentance right now. Right now. Here's our comfort and our hope. Remember when Paul said that yeast goes through that, the whole batch of dough? As we get ready to celebrate the Lord's Supper, that, that wafer, that's unleavened bread, there's no yeast there, right? Jesus is that unleavened bread. He has no yeast of sin. And he gives us his perfection. And as we receive the wine, Jesus' blood, we, re we remember that the wages of sin is death and, it, and it's we who should have died for our sins. We deserve to die for our sins, but Jesus died in our place and has washed away all of our sins. And so as you receive the unleavened bread and the wine, the body and blood of Jesus, do so for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Do so receiving God's love to move and guide you into a different way of life. See, the cross of Jesus is an uncrossable line. When Jesus outstretched his arms on the cross, in effect, he grabbed up all the sins, all of yours, all of mine, and kept them from going to God the Father. And so as God the Father looks at us, we don't have any sins because Jesus has got them. And because Jesus then is sinful, because he has our sins, he died and paid the price in full for all of our sins. First Timothy 2 says this, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. 
the uncrossable line of Jesus' cross is a new idea for the Corinthian culture and our culture as well. You see, your performance can never make you right with God. Only Jesus' performance can make you right with God. You're not gonna hear that in culture. It's not gonna be a box office movie hit. That's, that's not gonna be on the most popular radio stations. You're not gonna find a, a, a primetime sitcom with this as its storyline and theme. But you're gonna hear it here. Because the uncrossable line of Jesus' cross is foolproof. It's God's wisdom for our salvation. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so humbled by your grace, the power to forgive all our sins. Forgiven we are. Lord God, we're so empowered by your grace, your power to help us repent of our sins. Lord, in our day and in our time, in our lives, help us to follow you and trust in you alone. And through all of this, may our love for you grow. May our faith be strengthened. May the glory of your name abound inside and outside of the church. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.